Welcome to the Caged In Podcast, a weekly podcast where me, your host, Petros, takes you through the career of Nicolas Cage. Uh, today's date is the 2nd of September, so that marks 14 years and a day since the release of The Wicker Man, Nicolas Cage's foray into getting spooky. Well, one of them. And today is another foray into the world of the ghouls and the goblins and the ghosts. Very much ghosts. This one is pay the ghost. Uh, I call it paying the ghost in the body of this episode, uh, which may give you an inclination to what I thought of this film. Uh, There's obviously spoilers throughout the episode. And if you want to watch the film beforehand, uh, you can do over on uh, Amazon Prime in the UK. And if you are in the US... You can watch Pay the Ghost on Tubi. Tubi. I like that word. I like the word Tubi. Uh, It's a real shame we don't have it in the UK, just so I could be like, oh, I watched this thing on Tubi last night. Oh, have have you seen that thing on Tubi? Because Tubi is a really good word. To be or not to be. Well, if you're watching Pay the Ghost, it is very much to be. Uh, I had the absolute pleasure as well. I always say that I had the absolute pleasure, but I did. I did. I got to uh, speak to a couple of old friends of mine, uh, James Hunt, who you may remember from this very podcast, talking about Zanderley and Matchstick Men, and uh, a first-timer on this podcast, Jamie Murphy. Uh, Those two host a brilliant, spooky podcast called Sort of Ghostly, where they look at all things uh ghostly yep and uh macabre and just kind of like i don't know have a have a real have a real funny sense of humor with it and go go to talks and yeah a lot of Derek akora chat in the uh, early years i'm not sure if they're they're still banging on about Derek akora since his demise maybe they are trying to contact him from the spirit world um so yeah make sure you listen to those guys so very much enjoy this episode and join me at the end where i'll tell you about some other stuff what we've got coming up on the podcast in the future and all that good stuff so yeah enjoy this one catch you at the end Nick Cage plays a college professor who works long hours and is trying to be a good dad. For some reason, that makes him the perfect guy to have his kid taken to the ghost world. (laughs) I was never going to tackle a movie about ghouls and ghosts without having my favourite and soon-to-be-your-favourite paranormal podcast hosts from Sort of Ghostly, Jamie Murphy and James Hunt. How are you guys? Are you well? (laughs) (laughs) That was such a great introduction. I'm I'm scared now. That was professional. It's, it seemed you'd thought about it and prepared beforehand. I've um, yeah, like, I've I've been doing a lot of these. I've been I've been recording <laughs> a, a, a lot of podcasts during lockdown, and it's kind of it seems in the pretty, rhythm. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah I'm, I'm getting there. I'm getting there. I think. Right, you're smooth. Well, what's quite weird is I'm kind of like I'm recording them out of sequence, so like there could be some all of a sudden that just like be like the the quality really dips. 
Like all of a sudden, like, <laughs> must have been a bad week, but like it would have been that I recorded it first in this kind of long run of podcasts that I've been doing. So, yeah, I think this is the fifth podcast I've recorded this week. Really? Yeah. Um, I want to do oh, those wow. sort of numbers, but I don't want to put Murphy into distress. Well, I, I, <laughs> I feel like as I'm doing a podcast about Nick Cage, I should be like carrying on his work ethic and just like yeah any opportunity i can get like any interview if someone's like i can do monday i'll be like i'll do it like i need that kind of cage like if there's an opportunity yeah. arise like, yep yeah I, I don't even know what the script is i'm there i'm there i'm there day one um so yeah let's talk about paying the ghost where's dad coming home he should be on his way right now Outside my window. Oh, baby, you're having a nightmare, huh? Come on in. We'll keep each other safe. Nice. Let's get some ice cream. Hey, I really need you to stay close to me, and I need you to look where you're going, okay? Dad, can we pay the ghost? Pay the what? Charlie. Did you see where my son went? Carly! Carly! Where's Charlie? Where's Charlie? I was holding his hand. I, I looked everywhere. How are you holding up? All I had to do was protect him. And isn't that what a father does? He protects. I've been doing some research. Did you know that more children who disappear on Halloween don't ever come back? What if all of these missing children... What if they're all connected? What if there's something behind it? You can't keep beating yourself up. It won't bring him back. My son isn't dead. It has all the children. It's here. Until I know what happened to him, I am not going to stop looking. There is something different out there, and it's taking children. Why didn't you protect him? When you're going, you ain't coming back. Where have you been? Did you see it? See what, Charlie? Look again. Is it nice? Pay not, the ghost. Sorry, pay no, the ghost. not not a paying ghost, but came out the same year. <laughs> Is which, that the same uh, film? Is that another yeah, film? It's a paying ghost. It came out in 2015. <laughs> I like story... that your face lit up then when you got the notes up. <laughs> <laughs> story based on a famous novel, uh, Badali, authored by Vasant Kaur Madhav works for a, um, a multinational and is an honest worker who never says no to what anybody wants him to do, like Nicolas Cage. Thus, he is troubled by everyone. I watched the trailer, but... Um, is there anything to ghost in it? Uh, don't know. It wasn't in English. Well, oh, okay. Weirdly, this film, for a film that has ghost in the title, like as obviously you guys 
deal with ghosts on a regular basis. Uh, yeah. Not really that many ghostly goings on in this, would you say? It takes ages. My first note is, um, <laughs> so far, same plot as every Tim Allen movie. It's just like a bad dad, just re- ready for him to transform into like Santa or a dog. Like, all it is for like at least 20 minutes is him just kind of being a bad dad, but he also isn't that awful. He's just, yeah. It's like a, there's a scene of him, he works to his iPhone is dead, which also there's so many Apple products in this movie. Yeah. <laughs> like, so many. What I find bizarre about that is, like, a lot of films, especially, like, in the last 10 years, they have, like, Apple products, but then the operating systems on them do not look like any operating system I've ever seen before. Like, when a text message flashes up on a screen, you're like, that has never been the Apple, like... (laughs) (laughs) And I guess that's a bad sign. It's a Word document. Yeah, it's 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 as bad as the uh, Nelly and Kelly Rowland video. Of course, where yeah. she's sending a text message on um, a spreadsheet. He's on yeah. Excel <laughs> writing a text message. Yeah. Unless it's on a cloud-based like sharing platform and they've got like co-op mode on, there's no way he's ever going to see that text message. But um, I guess no, like spotting those kind of things is a bad sign right in any film if you're like looking at operating systems on iphones going something doesn't quite look right yeah i was quite surprised that they didn't get a bit of product placement in for the camcorder but featured in the film the camcorder that had the digital camcorder that had static and like those worry tape like (laughs) filters wow it's like what it's it's digital it shouldn't be like that anyway it's fine it shouldn't look like that oh it's haunted but that would have been that you know would have been a bit of extra money. Well, there's that just, thing. Yeah. Are they? Do they have integrity? Is that, is that a reason? <laughs> they really pushed Apple. Like I can't get over how much. Like I made a tally. Well, <laughs> I made a tally of how, of how many times um, uh, Nick Cage looked out of a window. He did that a lot. <laughs> he did that like over like eight or nine times. But yeah, I should yeah. There was also a lot of. Apple for, for um, a, a movie that had a lot of Apple product placement, there sure was a lot of windows in it. Yes, hey. <laughs> <laughs> it's that weird thing as well that this film had like this horrible, like grey, like filter to it. Did you like? Yeah, it's mm. just like the whole thing. It's like, yeah, we get it. It's it's dark. It's supposed to be like brooding. <laughs> like it's and I don't know. I would have preferred like the original, like where this film goes to begin with, where the kid's gone missing and it's just about like the parents like dealing with the aftermath of it as opposed to like, I don't know. It feels like a film of two halves and the second half is very rushed by the time we get to Ghost Town. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Uh, Ghosts look exactly the same as the people dressed up. For Halloween as well. There was no, there's no diff, there was no change in aesthetic. This whole movie, well, there's more grey, I think. Well, the, the the only moment we kind of really get, like, I guess this was the whole effects budget was the like whirl of ghosts at the end when they're on the bridge that looks <laughs> like, oh, like gosh, yeah. B-roll footage from the Ghostbusters, which came out in the. Like, it was really funny. Movies. I was like cheering at the end. <laughs> But it goes from that. It goes from like this really climactic moment on the bridge, like the bridge is for like falling down, and then 
so nonchalantly afterwards, like the wall just kind of rebuilds itself for no yeah. apparent reason. And then he just goes, okay, kids, let's go home. Like, yeah, there's no kind of um, consideration for the fact that they've just been in the ghost world for like a year. Yeah. Also, the cops said, well, basically, Cage hinted that he was a top, he was a suspect because it was his son that went missing. Yeah. He's definitely at top of the list now. He's like, oh, I found them. They're oh, just yeah. His, yeah. They're just in his yeah. coast wild. It's convenient, oh, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, very convenient. Oh, a year later. But yeah, yeah it was funny. Your colleague's dead and the, the medium that came around your house is also dead and your child showed up. I did like when uh, the, the, the wife character suggested a psychic or a medium and Nick Cage's character just went, those people are frauds. Yeah, I love that. Next scene, medium in the house. <laughs> well, it's just bizarre because, like, in interviews, I'll, I'll, I'll play you a clip of an, an interview with Nicolas Cage where he talks about um, the character being a skeptic, but I don't really feel like it is. He believes it immediately. He—that's what I wrote in my notes. He called them frauds, but he's the one screaming, "It's Halloween! It's Halloween! Kids don't <laughs> miss it on Halloween!" It's yeah. so crazy. Mike is a professor of literature. He's someone that really cares about his students and tries to <laughs> stimulate their imaginations, but he's not a believer in the supernatural. And I think what happens is he has to become a believer in order to save his child. Maybe it's time to bring someone into the house. Because he's really trying to sell this film. Something. Most people. <laughs> they are <laughs> we have worked that out I feel like he's talking about himself having to believe in the worth of this film rather than the character trying to believe in ghosts like but but the other interview I feel like he's just talking to him he's trying to convince himself that he made the right decision <laughs> like well, it's like... such a weird non-interview it's just a man trying to psych himself up for where he's found himself in life the listeners listeners haven't heard that Murphy so they don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, we will get. We will get. I do have another clip that I will show you guys. Well, well <laughs> I, I, I don't. I don't really want to go too clip heavy uh, in, in the beginning. But like, as two guys who kind of have done research into ghosts, like from what you have learned about ghosts, does this film play by the rules as like to what you know are like the traits of ghosts? Have you ever heard of this kind of? bargaining chips of children for ghosts in any way definitely they halloween is the biggest day that's when children always go missing on halloween that's what we found out <laughs> and um to find them conveniently you've only got one year spare which i love that in the movie that you've only got one year like once they're gone that you can only get them back the next year and also you got a time limit until Halloween's over. Um, so yeah, that is very similar, but but also <laughs> like Nicolas Cage, I also think mediums and psychics are frauds. How do you feel, Murphy? Uh, well, it did have um, the haunted razor scooter, which was very uh, Stanley Kubrick, wasn't it? <laughs> oh yeah, 
things do felt, move. That's great. Yeah, I felt like I was watching The Shining when that razor skewer came <laughs> scooting, scooting out of the other room. Because at first I did think it was like an old school scooter. And then I was like, oh my God, it's a micro scooter. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Loving it. Um, I'd think the poltergeist, that bit is literally the only thing that I've um, come across to be anything close to reali- reality. I'm doing quote marks. Yeah, it's the only realistic aspect of it. Yeah, it was, yeah. It was all a bit... All a bit jumbled up, really, wasn't it? Uh, lots of random graffiti that was totally unexplained. Who was writing that? A witch? <laughs> like, who was doing the graffiti? And then that, that, that guy with the, the like... The blind um, guy who could see. I thought he would... Could, at first, the blind guy, I was like, he can, he can definitely see. And it's just his gimmick to get money. Because um, he takes um, Nicolas Cage to the wall with the graffiti, pay the yeah. ghost on it. So I was like, how the fuck can he see that if he's fucking blind? And then I was like, oh no, it must be like the whole Robin Hood sort of gimmick. He's like, um, which I think even the kid references before. So I was like, is the kid fucking this blind guy? Is it the guy who looked the blind fucking homeless guy? It was like a white dude with dreads and with those sunglasses on. He looked like the singer yeah. of Ford. He looked so mental. Oh yeah, he had the wraparound <laughs> shades, didn't he? Yeah. But yeah, and then at the end, oh, then he took Lucas Cage and he said, I wouldn't need this because I'm blind. So he gave, conveniently had a flashlight on. So that meant he was fucking blind. So I don't know. Was, his character was a twist and turn for me. Well, yeah, you you mentioned the, mo- the moment of him like showing him the wall of graffiti. And it felt yeah. like in that like moment in the film that there was going to be something more than that. Like you thought, he, yeah. like, I thought he's like, oh, we're actually gonna get go somewhere with this. Like the plot is gonna, gonna kind of build up to something. We're gonna get some kind yeah. of development, and instead we just get nothing. He's like, oh, his. I thought that was where Ooh. the bridge was. Was that not where the bridge was? Or is it Behind not the where the bridge is? I'm not sure. Like it's it's very confusing because it's like some yeah. of the shots in this are just very bizarre there's like one that really stood out to me near the end where it's just like a trailing shot of the like light from a flashlight on some grass and i was like you needed yeah. to fill some time here like, this, like <laughs> yeah i was i was weary anyway because the runtime's like 94 minutes and then when i saw a yeah, shot like so that I was, short. Like, I was so excited you're padding. It's it's a lot a lot of padding, and yeah. I just feel like to James's point about it feeling like any Tim Allen film. It had so many strokes of other stuff, like yeah, end, so many cliches. When he goes to the ghost world, it's just the like final act of Insidious, but done at like kind of more of a whimper than like that film's just fucking mental and balls to the wall. Whereas this is just kind of like. There's a spooky house in the distance. Go into the basement and like even the shot of like the sea of children, like in in another director's hands, I could have seen that being like whoa, fucking like terrifying. And it, yeah, n- none of it is. Even like the jump scares they go for, like when he shows him the the graffiti wall, we see the 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 kind uh... of bag ghost flash up behind him and i was just like yeah yeah that's that's a ghost it's not not very Mm. scary it was fucking dull this whole film was so dull it was like (laughs) nothing happened at all yeah 
It just moves Literally. along and then ends. And like you said as well, even um, some of the scenes were so cliche and done so many. Like I've seen this. It was like it was like if um, Nicolas Cage and the person from The Walking Dead wrote the movie with all their <laughs> tropes what they've learned in acting like the bit where his kid goes missing and he sees the other person dressed up as a pirate and it just grips yeah. the kid and then it just isn't his kid that is done so many fucking yeah. times i thought it'd be amazing you know when he <laughs> grabs the cop if the cop was in fancy dress as well and he's like yeah. no i'm just <laughs> i'm just i'm just in fancy dress <laughs> Or he just explained it to this cop guy dressed up as a cop, and he's just not a cop. <laughs> well, like a lot of yeah, those, those small part characters are just like terrible. Like the ice cream man stuck out for me, where he's like, "Yeah, have you, yeah. Have you seen my kid?" And he's like, "No." Like no. that's it. Like nothing. Like they're like, "Are you okay? Do you need some help?" He's a fucking like, ice cream man. He should give a shit. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He, he, he's got also. He's, <laughs> He was the only kid there. That kid shouldn't have fucking been there. It's like this adult like rave in this like alleyway of New York. The yeah. whole film was apparently in New York. It well didn't feel like it. Like I don't know, it just didn't feel like New York at all. Those CGI and, cityscapes kind of let the authentic yeah. feeling of New York down a bit. Yeah, for sure. It was just miscellaneous town. Um, one thing I wanted to ask you guys was. Again, with your with your expertise in the paranormal, are vultures a sign of uh, paranormal activity? Uh, yeah, uh, like they hang around the real dead, not the like, not the paranormal. Yeah. I'm so confused because I rewound. Oh, that's in my notes as well. Rewound for giant bats. Was like fucking hell, it's a giant bat. I was like, no, it's a fucking vulture. Like, what the fuck? Yeah, it like I get. Um, I, I suppose that was supposed to be the witch's familiar. They were supposed to be her familiars because um, they were there when the townsfolk came and took her and burnt her and her children. I guess that's where they've come from. But they, are they common to New York? Vultures? Yeah, even then. Would she have had to brought them from a Kaloa state on the way up? They just seem they seem really out they seem really out of place geographically, but then also really out of place supernaturally. They didn't really fit in either world. They should have just but, been at least... A, they, someone should have addressed it. Like, motherfucker, there's a fucking vulture there. What the fuck? Like, no one that, even said anything about there being vultures. Because yeah. in, in a city, surely they're not even common anyway. Like, any sort of city. You don't see, oh, my God, there's a fucking vulture there. Surely... Just, I don't know. I feel like that might have been a thing that was added in post as well. Like, we need something else. We need some vultures. Yeah, All right, but... let's, let's not have giant bats or let's not have a fucking spooky cat or one of those cliche bullshit things. Let's have a... We haven't seen many vultures in movies lately. <laughs> let's have some vultures. Yeah. It's it's nice that they did something different, but then that's all they did. <laughs> they didn't think they didn't like that, that was like a one one idea, first idea. Uh how about vultures? Done, let's go home. Like that was it. They didn't think about why vultures. It was like, yep, they're they're black, we can get one vulture made in CGI, we can times that as many times as we want across the film. Boom. Or my theory is yeah. maybe they were trying to make references to um 
Disney animated classics in that the child talks about wanting to be Robin Hood. We kind of have this uh, homeless guy with his ruse of being a blind man. And then we have the three vultures who I'm sure if they spoke would have sounded just like the Beatles referencing <laughs> Jungle Book. Yeah, exactly. Which would Maybe have been... A- they'd- it would have been a welcome turn for me. I'll, I'll tell you that for sure, because like this was dull as dishwater at times. It's just like it looked like dishwater too. <laughs> it, just, it was so shit. Like it's so pale. Yeah, it's 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 a, it was a weird film because it just filled in necessary plot details. Like he had a job as a professor. Uh, well, he was hoping to get tenure as a professor. He worked at a university. There was tension of whether he would or he'd not. But then, of course, he did. And then it was like like you were saying earlier, he was like portrayed as being this bad father. But he wasn't really, you know, he was... They also balanced out with him working really hard for something very specific and his wife supported him in it. So there wasn't really any tension surrounding it. It was just... And they happened to live in New York. And it's just all these things that you need in a movie to half a movie but like none of it seemed really consequential who was the like russian person who was his psychic the ha- oh hannah yeah who was that uh was she, she was what... first i thought her... she was like the dean and then she was like helping him do shit at the end yeah I, well i guess she was his superior because she referred him for tenure yeah but then she was just like his psychic yeah, she she became like the the computer nerd who can be called upon to do it, like yeah. dig around in some old books when it's needed. Also, I just googled like, it and then I found that logo straight away. <laughs> Re- you know, like really? the one she like carved into her arm and yeah. then it was just oh, right. <laughs> I literally thought she was dead. Well, that's the thing as well. We kind of get a bit of the background of uh, Sarwain, which I I never knew it was called Sarwain. Like. Like no. yeah. from like Sam Hain. Yeah, Sam Hain, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, this this is the one thing I'm I'm taking from his film. Like yeah. I've learned that. Is it that though? Did yeah, they get it I'm wrong. Go- yeah, no, yeah, I've Googled yeah, yeah. it. I've had two different websites pronounce it for me. So okay. and, and Nick Cage in a uh, in a different interview I've alluded to. Well yeah, let's play let, let, fuck it. Let's play that interview. Let's let's, <laughs> let's uh, Murphy's hyped it up enough let's, <laughs> let, let's see let's see this week well I'm not a snob I, I mean I, I'm, I'm interested in all movies yeah. yeah they have a place for me I like Christopher Lee I like Vincent Price I like Al Pacino <laughs> I like Nick why have you done this um, awful film James Dean you know I, I, I go all, you know I look at everything I love the charm of the old horror films. I like the old Hammer horror films. I like The Exorcist, uh, <clears throat> The Sixth Sense. Uh, Ringu is one of my favorites, The Shining. So it's really an honest expression for me because my mandate is drama and horror. And if you can do both in the same one, in the same movie, then, then you're really onto something. Ellen Burstyn <clears throat> really showed the importance of, of dramatic acting to make the supernatural more real. Because of her incredibly authentic performance in The Exorcist, we believe the extraordinary circumstances that are happening. And that's sort of what I want to try to to, uh, model on on Pay the Ghost. In some ancient pagan uh, religions, there is the concept of Samhain, which is 
today is now called Halloween, but in those days it was the time of the year where the veil between the spirit world and the physical material world was very thin and that you could communicate with spirits and you could cross over. And what happens to Charlie, without giving too much away, the little boy, Mike's son, is that he goes, he gets abducted into, during the Halloween Samhain period, when the veil is thin, he gets abducted into another dimension of the spirit realm. And I have one year, uh, the following Halloween, or Samhain. That's the whole film, you gave it away. That's yeah. what this is really all about. I thought she was stunning in the scene on the street. I thought she was so, very Yeah, that's a film. That interview just reeks of someone like trying, trying to sound cool. Do you know what I mean? Where he's like listing the films he likes. He's like, yeah, I like, <laughs> I like, I like The Exorcist. I like, um, I, 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 like, I like Hammer Horror. And like, uh, uh, what's, what, what's really edgy? I like Ringu. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's, that's yeah. my <laughs> Like, and, 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 any kind of like movie bro on a first date trying to seem more interesting yeah actually are. he he sounded like a teacher he sounded like two things first he's kind of sounded like which women he's he's like i fed i'm attracted to all women <laughs> and then it's like he was like listing every sort of type of woman off but also yeah it sounded like maybe my teacher if you like come in with an evil dead teacher and on or something into class and they're like Oh, I've I've seen a horror film or two. I've seen The Shining. I've seen The Exorcist. And especially, I don't know, like, they're all, like, classics, but for, like, a big horror fan to just, like, the way he was pushing The Exorcist, uh, it felt like he's only seen those horror movies. That's it. And the ones he's in, obviously. It's the interesting point about the, um, the actors he lists as well, because it starts off with kind of, archetypal like horror actors do you know what I mean you're Christopher Lee's yeah and like and then he kind of drifts off and just starts going like <laughs> picking names out of the air like Al Pacino uh, James Dean like yeah I, 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 I love them all it's like you've totally veered off point of what, <laughs> what, what you no, I, about. Like, I took I took it as like yeah, I'm a typecast actor. I'm typecast into these shit movies. Vincent Price, fucking typecast of horror. Fucking yeah. Al Pacino, he's, he's a gangster, right? Like, I, I presumed it was that. <laughs> so this it film, did sound like an excuse. This film's directed by um, Yuli Edel. Do, you, do either of you know much about his uh, directing and writing credits in the past? Well, I actually watched a fucking shit film he did with Madonna um, last week. It was fucking awful. I can't remember what it's called. Um, Body yeah, of Evidence. Um, you saying about it? Body of Evidence. Yeah. We... It was fucking awful. It, had, it was like this film. It had nothing to it. Like nothing, basically, except like, it was where, I think it was in Madonna's like peak. So she, there was a lot of nudity with that. So I can see like that being um the, it, that probably got a lot of coverage in the news and stuff especially back in the day for any sort of nudity like, like oh my god madonna's naked but um <laughs> so basically if you want to know the plot 
um, Madonna sleeps is like engaged to or like in a relationship with an older rich man she fucks him to death and the <laughs> and not even in any sort of um interesting way like 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 the financially vil- like the vanilla the vanilla the, vin- the vanilla villain in in a uh, James Bond where she would like wrap her legs around the guy and she just um just had sex with them and uh, because it was like the 90s or 80s and in mainstream it was like the kinks that she did were like really really vanilla as well like they're like do you like using oh yeah. so basically she fucks him to death and then the whole film is that they're in court and she is um defended by william defoe who's like this nice guy but he like immediately has an affair with her immediately <laughs> and for some reason he still thinks that she's like people can sleep around whatever but in this movie he's he still thinks that she's the good person out of this even though surely she would be grieving for this person that she loved and this wouldn't be happening but it turns out so they have sex a lot um she likes king where she nearly gave someone else a heart attack and what they describe is edging and everyone's like, <gasps> oh my God, he wouldn't let him come until he had a heart attack. And then turns out at the end, Madonna was the bad person after all and she did try and kill him and she did succeed. She edged she him to away death. Because William Defoe defended her thinking she was a good person even though she was ruining his marriage. He had a kid and everything, but he was having his kinky affair with Madonna. It, felt, it sucked. To me, it was very... My girlfriend was very angry that I put this film on because it was fucking shit. <laughs> well, he's got kind of an interesting filmography. He's done a lot of, like, TV work. So he did the, like, um, Adrian Brody Houdini miniseries. Um, he directed the 2000 film... Little Vampire. I'm not sure if either of you yeah. that with um, Jonathan Lipnicki, kind of the late 90s go oh. little bratty kid from Stuart yeah. Little. Um, yeah. So, yeah. They and... suck blood of cows. <laughs> I remember that was it. That's what I remember. And something like I think you'd be interested in, James. He actually directed one episode of Twin Peaks. Oh, really? He directed. Uh, Yes, uh, season season two, two, episode fourteen. So, oh, mate, what episode is that? <laughs> Sorry, I got a look. It's called Double Play. Is the name of the episode, um, and it is the episode where Leo comes out of his a coma. Oh, okay. So, yeah, a kind of. It seems like a lot of his work is in sh- like TV, whether that being like episodes mm. of Oz or kind of he's done a he's he this looks fantastic actually rasputin dark servant of destiny which was a uh, a tv biopic which looks like it stars alan rickman wow sick when did that come out how how old of a alan rickman am i picturing here we are picturing um a 
mid nineties, Alan. Ninety six, oh, Alan yeah. Rickman. Yeah, he could he could play Rasputin, you know. Tall. Rah, yeah, rah rah. Uh, um, before we get off topic, like this film does a lot of the time, um, what did you think of the character design of the the ghost? Like to me, it looked like uh, the scarecrow from Batman, and like yeah, not, yeah. not in a good way. Yeah, it's just like what is. What is this? Like, I almost, I almost, looked... I always feel bad getting you guys on here to talk about this film because, like, I was hoping this was going to be like a real ghost train, even if, even if it was bad, to just be like really nuts and out there. Yeah, like, it's very, very vanilla, which seems everyone's like... outfits look like they were bought from the co-op. Like there was, like yeah. you, could them, you could buy all this horror from Tesco's, like the when they do the Halloween. Like even, even like the people dressed up for Halloween. I wrote one down that I liked. One outfit. Um, uh, oh, I hate this uh, actress. Uh, <laughs> can you see that? <laughs> right. Every Halloween costume is bad. Except for the, there was like a giant rock head. Like it was just a big <laughs> rock. Like it looked, it was so different compared. Everyone else nope. was a skeleton or had ears, um, except for this big rock head thing. Well, it's- oh my god, that um, pagan, uh, that pagan ritual where they find out the whole storyline. That was some Poundland pagan masks. They were yeah, awful. They looked like the sort of like mask you'd get through with a children's magazine or something. That was such a low point, um, just because it was just. just it kind of reminded me. It reminded me of like a bad, cheap version of the new Pet Cemetery movie. There's like the weird. They have like the weird bit of like the children in masks and stuff which i think doesn't mean anything in the movie it reminded me of that well in this like that kind of all that stuff with like the pagan like rituals and stuff like that it's like this is the stuff i would have preferred to have found out as, as like cliches as it is like him in like a dark library late at night and like weird shit happening instead of yeah. like this film's just a lot of like people like going to talk to people whether it's the cop which is a a, a, a plot thread that kind of gets picked up like you like there's there's no payoff to that like he doesn't yeah, come around right. to being like oh i believe it's kind of all this stuff is all these plates are like left spinning at the end of it and you're like well like none of these threads have been tied up at all like and they all started halfway through the film yeah. Except for like, except for, what the fuck? What the fuck did he even see outside the window? Was it the vulture or was it the little kid at the beginning? What does he actually see? Guess it was for which. Yeah, because he does the drawing. Another, another yeah. kind of horror movie. Like, oh, it's such a stolen thing. Tick yeah. box. Yeah, like it's just one of those. Yeah, I think I think if if I were to sum this film up, it would be. Jingle all the way meets Insidious, like you kind of got yeah. <laughs> like I, I got to get to my son for Halloween. Oh, I, I, <laughs> I dress up as Elvis Presley. Like, like that's another thing as well. It just felt like for me that Nicholas, yeah, he wanted like Elvis. I wrote that down. Which is like, 
massive for Nick Cage because he is like the biggest Elvis fan, even to the point that he married Elvis's daughter at one point. But like, there's so many references throughout his movies of him like dressing as Elvis, even. Um, Oh, what's the wild at heart? He's just kind of yeah. channeling this kind of psycho Billy Elvis performance. Yeah. And like this, it just felt like they were like, you're going to have to go and fancy dress Nick. And he was like, my stipulation, my one stipulation <laughs> is, can you get me a high budget, like Elvis 77 in black? And they were like, right. Everybody else, your like costumes for Halloween have just considerably drop <laughs> quality because nick has got like one stipulation he's happy to wear gray disgusting clothes for the rest of the <laughs> apart from this one scene because yeah they're all um pirates and then he just rocks up oh i'm a cowboy uh, i didn't have time to pick up a hat yeah so what all right you don't have to explain the hat away or just someone <laughs> you a hat like i don't really is that well, all the things that aren't that aren't picked up in this film the, the fact that they explain that he's a cowboy without a hat is like i'm glad they've managed to put that one to rest i, I like the also, same with the kid's eye patch what was when it was drawn on <laughs> yeah it reminded me of when i dressed up as riddler for uh like primary school buffy day and I lost the mask or I had to draw it on. <laughs> That's what it reminded me of. When, um, at the start, when he, his, his, his father, Nick Cage's character, comes into his room and he's like, oh, what are you going to be tomorrow for Halloween? I'm going to be a pirate. And, a lot, and, a, and then it, he just says, and are you going to help me carve this pumpkin? And in his bedroom, <laughs> it's the pumpkin and the shot just goes down <laughs> and it's just a pumpkin. Like, how eager is he to, like, carve this pumpkin? He's put it on his bed, that. like, ready to go. Like, I wrote that um, two things. Either his kid will only turn up if he carves the pumpkin. Like, that's the t- he's like, oh, I've got to carve the pumpkin. <laughs> or... That's how the film should have ended. They've just carved a fucking pumpkin. It would have... It's like something nice. Instead, this film ends in probably just the most bland way and then just a cheap, like, attempt at a jump scare right at the end. Like, during the credits with the, like, vultures pecking at the Russian assistant's art, like, body as she's impaled on some like construction posts and then oh yeah and then yeah. Like, she just her eyes jut open like her mouth just kind of goes uh, and it's like this was never was that gonna... connected to that didn't connect to anything anyway like no one was no. coming back from the dead and that's ever. nothing to do with possession or like zombies it's just rimpress sequel maybe probably not like that's yeah that in case they they were they were really clutching at straws of that like mm. they should have known going in this weren't getting no sequel do you know what i mean they weren't gonna be like pay pay the ghost too the, <laughs> the the debt's still pending like, <laughs> it was that that did not look like it was on the cards whatsoever and like but yeah back to your point of like i keep jumping back to this thing about him being a bad dad because like we see him at school like presenting to his class and he seems to be like robin williams in like dead uh, dead poet society like level of loved by his class yeah he he does this speech about like so remember like hp lovecraft Stephen (laughs) king like uh edgar Allan poe and he's like they're 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 all they're all aiming for one thing um yeah they're, they're all 
They're all aiming for one thing, a great and noble objective, to scare the living shit out of you. And just like the class, like break out into applause. And it's like, what? <laughs> what? Who like, who is this guy? And then the next scene, we're supposed to be like, oh, but, but he wasn't back home in time for his like, to take his kid trick-or-treating. It's like, it, I don't know. It just didn't feel like uh, it. How late is this class? I, I don't know. I guess like six o'clock's probably like <laughs> like college. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, I'd imagine. I'd, I'm not sure. I'd, I'd, yeah. I'd, I'd know. They should some... at least made made him like a drunk or something. Like, I don't know. Like something like <laughs> where he just had like some. There's some sort of like, or he had been late before. Was he? I don't know. Yeah, there but... just wasn't any sort of. Or just the classic that's done so well in like those Tim Allen movies and like he he works in either like a really shitty industry in that it's kind of like I don't know, he's like some oil baron or doing something of that kind of ilk, or he just doesn't doesn't want to see his, do you know what I mean? Like that's more important mm. to him. Whereas like it seems like he does actually care about his family. Like at no point does it seem like he's he's like, oh fuck them. Like I just want to deal with what's going on at school. His yeah. wife as well, even when they split <laughs> up, she still loves him enough to have him as his like background him as her background on his on her iPhone. I I I I'm thinking. Which also thought was funny. Sorry. No, no. That same photo was used again. So they only definitely had one photo of them all together as a family, which I thought was quite funny. That that's what that's what that's exactly what I was thinking. That it's probably a thing that like, oh shit, we forgot to get some photos, like some more photos taken that one day <laughs> we had the photographer, like to get the cheesy family photos. Just recycle it. Like Yeah. And like Nick's um, apartment when they like do split up is just again like tick box of desperate father or just kind of desperate man trying to get to the bottom of anything. The classic like wall full of pictures with uh, pins and like. Oh shit. god, yeah, <laughs> yeah. How can the, like the layman who isn't a detective like use that shit anyway? Like, surely there's like a like a book. Or just any other sort of layout than the fucking. He's, he's pins a professor. And like, yeah, I know, but like the string His job is to like, research. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't fucking make sense. No, why that's that what I'm saying. His job is to go through research and make deductions based on like what he can find in the library, what he can find online, access to journals. If he has to write an article to earn his tenure, which is apparently the pivotal tension at the start, he's not in his office with like Edgar Allan Poe and like a pin and a string and a bat's going to Lovecraft <laughs> and he's got like a book and he's got like a blown up page of a book on a wall with like red writing on it. He's just sat at his MacBook, isn't he? Which is exactly what he'd be doing to find his kid. He's not going to go all like 80s cop just in that one room. Well, then he pulls out that weird like software or like website, which is like, like missingkids.com and like oh yeah it, it, I, I i don't like give me your birthday <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> give me and then like they only use two dates and then they're like check <laughs> out halloween <laughs> well and yeah and he's like really quickly like see that proves my point that 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 proves my point. <laughs> that's it that's it like like and he tells the cop I thought that was really funny as well. He's like, I did this thing where I searched online and I ha and then there wasn't even 
And like also like they I swear missing children cases aren't solved as well as they were portraying in this movie. I swear it is a lot more doom and gloom than they're like 99% of these cases are always solved. They were set they're hinting at that, except Halloween. Well the thing for me is as well, like I can understand the logic as to why like a case might or like crime might peak around Halloween because people are in like costumes and stuff like that it would be easier to like all all levels of crime it would be easier to get away with it because you kind of have you have an excuse for that one day of the year to wear a mask and like hide your identity so like I don't know why like Cajun Cage's logic went straight to it's the paranormal as oh, like <laughs> He does mention uh, child abduction. You know, he's like, how many kids um, get abducted? It's Halloween. There's so many more kids out. There's predators around. And he gives the uh, policeman a list of um, pedophiles and predators that have been released from prison. So he's like on that track. But then as soon as it goes to Halloween, he's like, oh, yeah, because he said, oh, it's 99% of all uh, missing children cases are solved on any day, apart from Halloween, when it's only 50%. So, but that's only three kids going missing every Halloween. So, only six people go missing on any other day. Like, what? Or are there loads of other kids going missing to make up this massive fifty percent? And actually, only his problems actually really minuscule in the grand scheme of the movie. Like, there was so many children as well as ghosts that there definitely would have been ticked off. Like, like if. There was that many people going missing in New York on Halloween that day, as there were ghosts in that base, that giant fucking basement. Surely they would have. Surely would. (laughs) Surely they would have noticed. Well, no, like the numbers you want to be crunching is obviously like this film. She is burnt in, uh, I believe it's seventeen. No, it's sixteen seventy nine. Sixteen seventy nine. So that would be three children every halloween until 2015 so we're looking so at three, three, six. so three three six times three basically do you know what would have been a good death equals 1080 children were in that were in in that basement all raising their hand because <laughs> they're apparently called charlie all of a sudden and he managed to find oh, yeah, that was so funny. charlie pretty quickly <laughs> that's us that was... i'm charlie He's like, get me out, please get me out, please. That was so funny. And it's like, as soon as he found him, he's like, oh, these are my friends that came with me. Like, you should have shouted, been like, given your surname, you know, like, been a bit more helpful until your dad's like on your foot. I reckon they did that like on the day. They're like, this needs to be more harder for him. Everyone stick your hand up. Yeah. Well, they all called Charlie. And then I was like, does Shoddy abduct people called Charlie? Is that are they all supposed to be Charlie? Or are they if they're doing that, they're then doing it to antagonize him and make his life harder. But then they're actually they the saving grace of him at the end. So I guess they are on his side. So maybe they are called Charlie? So this woman had three children and called them all Charlie? And then she only abducts Charlie's? More questions than answers for this film. 100%. Yeah. I I thought of a good I thought of a good way to replace the blind man. What they should have done is to create a bit of depth in this storyline, considering that 
kids have been going missing since like fucking thousands of years, whatever, hundreds of years, whatever. Um, they should have like introduced someone who's also looked for their missing child who nearly got close to finding them, but yeah. didn't get there. So like they could help Nicolas Cage go to this fucking graffiti wall. And so like, they're like, find someone online. Everyone, Nicolas Cage would have found this person online. Everyone would have thought they were, they were mental, except Nicolas Cage. And then they help Nick, Nicolas Cage get to this fucking bridge, whatever. And yeah, because he, he has two other children with him as well. Sense, yeah. And he, that could have been like, oh, I found your kids. Rather than just, oh, oh I guess I've got to take these two. You know, like that would have tied that up nicely. But the whole film was about with one child. Yeah, but he ends up with just two randoms right at the end. Was Maybe the other have... kid the heroin addict or like the no, drug no, addict? No, because he uh, no. two years ago. So obviously yeah. he's like, I guess, I guess that that is the cycle of it. First year you lose your kid around around Halloween. The next year you hear you hear you hear them. You see them on the bus or wherever, and then the year after you go heroin. Yes, please. It was really funny because not not funny that he was addicted to drugs, <laughs> but like his apartment was so like clean and fine, except for like the plates. They had like plates <laughs> covered in food, and then they went into his apartment, and he was covered like head to toe in scabs. But the rest of the apartment was just fine. It looked like a really really nice apartment, and then he obviously was like, "Buddy, buddy, give me money," and then he just gave him money, and then he told him, "Yeah, about, he only gave him like five dollars." fucking shit I'd be like more money he's <laughs> yeah. just getting mugged the whole film isn't he like money loses his watch <laughs> my kid's hat my hat is hat <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> for me that, that moment the kind of like because I was worried like when this film started off it's like this is all quite beige I, I, I'm, I'm scared we're not going to get like a cage freak out uh, and that's the closest we get to it. It's that kind of like, and in that moment, I was like, oh, yeah, no, this could be quite promising. Because it's like, what, like 10, 15 minutes in, I was like, the kind of, the cards are yet to be dealt to know, like, if you've got a real stinker or if you've got a full house at that point. Yeah. This mm. could go either way. And it's unfortunately, it went for like fucking, you got a couple of jokers and the rules to gin rummy. Like, fucking, <laughs> like, so. Oh yeah, I'll start to wrap things up. Like, how well do you guys surmise that this did um, on the scores, like online? I like, ha- like just just a just a ballpark, like or good or bad. Like, how 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 what what are we reckoning? I or it should have got less on IMDb. You think it should have got less? Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, we got. I we reckon four point. Five. So yeah, got a, see, I would have had that. Yeah, we got a five point two. We got a ten percent Rotten Tomatoes. A nice little fucking stinky Rotten Tomatoes. And as always, because as as we know from uh, the the way politics are and just like most things, when people are left to decide on things, this has got a twenty five percent audience score because the general public, more times than not, are fucking idiots. <laughs> I, I watched a bunch of um, YouTube reviews afterwards 
So I was like, I'll go on YouTube. Oh, I'll see if one because I watched those. Um, it. I watched those interviews. Watched that um, a Pain Ghost trailer, and I was like, I wonder. I wonder if I can just find like any other stuff about this film because there wasn't really anything because yeah. it was just a few trailers. It was absolutely scant. And then um, there was a few. Where this one guy just ripped into it. He clearly like sat down, done the work, and it was like just this long thing. And it was like it was fine. But then there was loads of other people who were like, yeah, it's great. I love Nick Cage. And like they're the people who are putting up that. Um, fan score or whatever it was sorry yeah yeah no well one of my like favorite like quotes i found from an imdb uh review is this is the movie looks pretty good i don't know the budget but it doesn't have that low budget feel to it i like the movie's look you know at least a little expensive <laughs> don't splash out too much but you know tr- treat yourself a little bit i couldn't find the budget anywhere yeah that is something i, I went on the wikipedia page and it had like nothing no i know it made like two and a half million on uh, i think cinema sales and then like one and a half or something like yeah, that a, this is a weird one because straight to dvd or whatever it was but i don't know how it was released really it's all over shop it has no it has no budget it only has cumulative world gross and then it's asking me to sign up for imdb pro but most films do what the have... fuck i that's i didn't even know there was an imdb pro yeah so uh but like normally they budgets are readily like available and it, i, I yeah. found one thing i found pretty bizarre as well when like uh research in this film like it wasn't until i like after I'd watched it, I was like, oh, it's based on a novella. It oh, says, really? Yeah, it says right at the end that it's based on a novella uh, by, well, there's no, yeah, there's no, there's no record of it on Wikipedia <laughs> or IMDb, <laughs> which seems very, very bizarre. That's um, so strange. So the novel throws someone else under the bus. The novel is by Tim Le, uh, Le Bon, and I will quickly... I'm on it now. I like the story. Pure and raw, but mystic and twisted <laughs> as well. So what more a nice horror story needs... So what more, I guess, does a nice horror story need to prove? What? By the way, I like the film more because of Nicolas Cage. Everyone likes Nick Cage. <laughs> Um, right, so I've pulled up Tim LeBond's writing credits, which seem very, very bizarre. He seems to do a lot of like film tie-in um, books. So he's done. Oh a- shit! Do you think Alien Out Carol, of the sorry. Shadows, Alien versus Predator book? He's done Star Wars: Dawn of uh, Dawn of the Jedi. Um, so yeah, a very a very bizarre. I call bullshit. I think the the fucking film came out and then they released the book. <laughs> that that seems like the way the rest of his oeuvre has happened. But he's yeah, just, like he, what the he's, fuck? He's a, he's just there in the industry to serve that purpose. You know, it's like it's that... the film kind of was a bit shit. We kind of need someone to fall back on. Do you reckon? Do it? Yeah. you could do it, Tim. Or if like you know, as soon as. A film has from the from from a no especially novella. It makes it sound like 
all, like to the to the untrained eye, like it sounds all oh, a bit fancy, whereas it's just yeah. yeah oh, Stand it's, by Me was that was based on novella. That's probably like that, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Little, little short story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I mean. People go, oh, novella. That's a, that sounds French. Like I'll go see. It. Maybe <laughs> it's la, la, Nicolas Cage. Or <laughs> <laughs> well, do you reckon they brought out the book as well because they were like, fuck, like the story that we wanted to tell didn't really come out in this movie. Let's make everyone buy the book too and then if they actually read it they think the film is a little bit better than what they originally thought unless these interviews well unless the book is like a massive like tome of a piece like to like stephen king standards and kind of fleshes out all of the parts of the story and we kind of like get a total history and like things are a lot better i can't really see like from looking at this guy's again, I don't want to. Sh- I don't want to shit on Tim LeBon, but like, I can't really see it being. He did a Firefly book. Yeah, it's it's so much of his film. It just seems like a bunch of industry decisions have been made. Mm-hmm. Like Nicolas Cage is in debt; he needs to make a bit of money. <laughs> They're going to sell most of this to video on demand, which is it's what I read on Wikipedia, which is basically like what you'd watch on a plane. Um, it, it looks like just a load of people making a load of contracts and be like, we'll make the money there. You'll get paid that. Tim, you can write the book. And it's, everyone's just been like, fantastic. <laughs> Mortgages are paid. It just serves a purpose, which is, isn't entertainment. You know, it's like, uh, this is a utility of the film. They should have used some of the titles that I um, wrote Perfect. instead. I, I um, used, <laughs> I thought, trick or kidnap would be pretty good or <laughs> trick or kidnapping or hello taken like halloween but <laughs> taken <laughs> that's amazing before i let you guys go i want to ask you three questions which i ask all my uh yeah all my guests now it's a kind of my own scoring system on a nicholas cage film and it kind of uh, deduces whether it's enjoyable and it's just a simple three questions i'll ask uh, I'll ask you both, uh, yeah, uh, one at a time. So, James. Yep. Does Nicolas Cage have bad hair in this movie? Jamie, obviously, think of your answer whilst he's... <laughs> I feel like he um, he's losing... Like he, what's it called when you're losing your hair, but from the fringe? Uh, receding. He's receding. He's got. He's he's got. He's got a receding hairline. Not saying that's bad, but I am for this. Well, no, you can you can say it's bad. I'm I'm, for obviously people who are listening. I'm wearing a hat because I am receding. Uh, So like, yeah, Yeah, he's got he's got the classic recede receding hairline. So yeah, I guess it's bad. Jamie, like. Yeah, I mean, I, I didn't notice how bad it was until I watched the interviews afterwards because, you know, you'd expect it to be as good as it possibly can throughout the film because he's got, he's got makeup artists that can put brown shit in his hair and thicken <laughs> it up a bit. Obviously, they can't bring his his hairline forward. They can't reduce his forehead, really, otherwise it'll look ridiculous. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I thought, as somebody who's also receding and stares, you know, does, does the cheeky, like, oh, glance up to the hairline just to be like, oh, all right, cool. I'm not Nick Cage level. Uh, just want to feel superior to Hollywood actors. Um, yeah, it was good. They did a great job on the hairline. Four out of five. Perfect. Uh, the, ne- the next question I always ask is, 
Um, does Nick do a crazy voice in this movie? Like he's he's obviously famed for doing these crazy voices, whether it's vampires, kiss, or like he has his moments and stuff like Mandy. Does he? Yeah, does he do a crazy voice at all in this movie? No, not at all. Like the loudest he gets is his hat, my kid's hat. <laughs> That's literally it. Yeah, the, the most exciting bit is where he's actually acting and he's doing somebody else's um, stuff, isn't he? When he's doing that lecture. That's the most enticing part. But that's not yeah. even a different voice. That's just, I'm reading from our book. That's how, exactly how we did it. And the third and final question I always ask is, do we get a Nick Cage freakout? No. Um, literally when maybe... Fuck, we haven't spoke about, there was a lot of like flying, like people would get hit and they go really fucking far, <laughs> like um, except for he when he loses his shit because his kid um, is missing, when he gets hit by the ghost when he's on the bridge and he just goes flying, goes really far, I think that was like the closest he got to a freak out. Mm, it never happened. Um, when he lost his, his kid at the start. That was it. I was like, "This is it. This is this is the moment." But as you say, it, it didn't happen. It he just was so calm, out. actually. He well, was yeah. like so chilled. This whole film for me, for like the scene, yeah. the last time he dipped his toe in the world of like horror in any way was like like ten years before this, basically with uh, the the Wicker Man. Like, yeah. considering that performance is just like turned up to max so good like like, even even if if, like the flaws that film may have at least you know you're going to get an experience whereas this like i think the disappointing thing is that it is just all kind of like (sighs) like it's kind of a sigh of a film as opposed to like Mm. with the potential of like the paranormal and that like if they just kind of like i don't know shaking shit around do you you know what i mean like if things were going like you would have been a yeah. bit more like yes as opposed to like oh, mm. oh there's, a, there's a lot of a lot of shaky cameras but then not the action or what was going yeah. on on screen to really require it it was just a, a classic it was just an affectation really wasn't it just bad to add drama and suspense without any drama and suspense happening you know just some graffiti just, you don't need was, to have a shaky camera it was like the whole cast had been sleeping in every day and drinking hot chocolate instead of staying up all night and drinking like fucking instant coffee. That's what I wanted. I want Nicolas Cage like fucking off his fucking tits off fucking Nescafe. That's what I want. <laughs> well, that's perfect. So would you guys, my last and final thing, would you guys recommend this movie? Um, yeah. <laughs> No, not at all. No, who can get anything out of this film other than other people who have already decided they like it because Nick Cage is in it? Yeah, I feel like it's if predetermined. You haven't seen this film already, don't watch it. Well, yeah, yeah, and also don't watch it if you've seen this film already. Then why watch it again? Oh yeah, I saw a, a a review and a guy was like, "This is one of my favorite films." And I was like, "He's watched it more than once." <laughs> but I was like, "I couldn't, I couldn't follow a review." I was like, "He must have watched it twice at least." I was like, "No way, you're doing that." 
Yeah, hey, sure. one, more, one more thing before we yeah, go. Yeah, no, no, um, no. One of my <laughs> one of my favorite bits in this movie was when Nicolas Cage and his wife got back together um, after she decided that she wanted to look for the kid. He goes up to her bedroom and asks asks her if she's going to sleep, and then she just says yes. Just yeah. cuts him off and was like, "Yeah, I am." <laughs> and that's it. Well, it's like well, that was incredible. It's really what it's really weird that moment, isn't it? Because it's almost like he just seems quite creepy, like that kind of like yeah guy at a party who's like, "Oh, you go like <laughs> you know, like you go yeah, to, that's exactly you're it. You go to bed like now, Samita. Like, Samita yeah, was in the or? room watching watching this with me, but she wasn't. She was like, "Fuck this movie," and just looking at her phone <laughs> or doing whatever to get away from it. But as soon as that bit happened, she was like, "She doesn't want to fuck him." That was it. That was exactly <laughs> it. She's like, she doesn't want to fuck him. She said, just go to bed. Um, well, that seems like a perfect place to leave it. Like, we're not going to fuck you, Cage. We're going to go to bed. Uh, <laughs> I'll go to bed. <laughs> before you guys go, obviously you host sort of ghostly. Um, how much, uh, well, this will be going out in, well, now to the listener, but in the current time now. This won't be going out for a while, so will you guys still be going, or what is the plans for Sort of Ghostly? Um, we had a really long break. Um, I think, um, obviously, we're back most more than likely because of the situation that we're in, <laughs> which is which is the coronavirus. If you're if future us are out of it now or adapted, evolved, no longer care about the virus or if it's still happening that's funny too um but like i think me and murphy doing it over zoom or like any other sort of company i don't, I don't mean to plug zoom um <laughs> it's so it's so it's so much easier and i feel like we've kind of learned how i think doing it like this is gonna it's kind of made it a little bit more easier so i feel like I'm feeling optimistic for yeah. going longer with this season. Perfect. Yeah, it's it's nice. It's um it's, it's always been something on the back burner and now it's uh much like the lockdown we are going to impose sort of ghostly season 3 on the public. Perfect. I'm I'm glad I'm glad this lockdown has brought us all like kind of our probably mental health to the forefront and realizing that if we're left inside for too long that we do have to kind of find things to busy ourselves with otherwise we go absolutely crazy i'm i'm not sure if that's the case for you but it's certainly yeah. certainly the case for me but it as a byproduct of that people get to listen Petros. To yes sorry don't mean to interrupt you you probably explain <laughs> this on the podcast how come you come back um i came back because i just had like a nagging feeling that like it needed to be completed and yeah for uh, sure definitely i, I, I was unfinished planning. business petros unfinished <laughs> business you don't want to become a ghost yeah a ghost you don't want to pay that ghost baby well it was <laughs> like it kind of worked out weird for me because i was planning to like come back anyway like i had like done an announcement like I did, I did like a small trailer like a year before uh, a year like a month before the lockdown was even imposed and then, like, the lockdown happened, and then it was like, oh, wow, now I've got no job and loads of free time on my hands. Like, this is the perfect opportunity, like, 
to just dive in as much as I can do like mammoth records of just like as many interviews as I can like speaking to the most like now now I'm like I've become like a, a true completist like if I can find someone I can talk to I'm going to try and talk to them so whether that's like um mo- like motion graphic designers who like seem to use Nick Cage a lot in their work which is a guy I found on uh, Instagram yesterday his name's uh Joe parente and i saw like his stuff's fantastic like um yeah like check him out on instagram i think it is just joe at joe parente or if you type in joe parente you'd be able to find them but he kind of does these like mad, mad things where like it would kind of just be nick cage's face and then like gets hit and then the skin like drips down and stuff like that and like i'm, <laughs> yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure like um so yeah interview him interview like um there's a guy who wrote a comic book with him and like uh, people who have done interviews with him so like i recently interviewed a guy who uh, mike pearl his name is written like a fantastic book with all these hypothetical things that could could happen in the world so one of the chapter titles is uh the day the antibiotics stop working which obviously is quite prescient for the time we're living in now yeah sure the link for me to have that conversation with him was the fact that whilst working for vice he got to interview nick cage by only using nick cage like quotes to ask him questions. <laughs> so, that's amazing so yeah that that that's why i'm back but enough about me uh how can people keep up to to date with what you guys are doing and where can they find sort of ghostly uh i've recently reactivated to sort of ghostly twitter so through <laughs> through that i think it's just sort of ghostly you can find it there and that's like the only social media um, thing we have, except for uh, the Facebook. But kids don't even use that these days. So <laughs> whatever, just use the Twitter. And you can just search sort of ghostly on everywhere where you get, anywhere where you get your podcast and um, it should pop up. And if it doesn't, message us on Twitter. And we'll sort it out. Perfect. Well, I'll be sure to put everything about sort of ghostly in the show notes anyway. And it's been an absolute pleasure to have you guys on the podcast. James, thank great. you very much. Murphy, thank you a million. This is uh, this has been on my bucket list. I was James recently told me he's he's been on two prior to this. I was very jealous, so I'm, I'm quite happy. I, now. This is fantastic. I can't. There's obviously I can remember the one where he puts cocaine on his fingers and inserts his fingers into a lady, but I can't remember the other one at all. Um, what was it? I can't even remember what. I don't know. Literally, oh. I know I've done two, but I can't remember one of them. It was the Ridley Scott uh, 2002 film Matchstick Men, I believe, with Sam Rockwell. I don't remember anything. <laughs> it's it's a very it's a very like it's a very bizarre film if you haven't seen it. Uh, like to explain, but yeah, it's kind of about con men and conning, and I think oh well, if people are listening to this, they would have probably listened to that episode. It turns yeah. out that. Like they're supposed to be con men together, and one of them's conning the other, and like double cross. It's it's really it's really like early two thousand. And also, very and if you've listened to that podcast, I don't remember it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't fucking I don't remember it. Um, I'm, I'll go back and check it out. Um, well, that I'm exactly the, I'm exactly the same with a lot of them. Like I'm just like people like go. Oh, you said this on this. Like recently, somebody's like oh, I just started listening to. Uh, episode like about the weatherman and I was like 
cool man. I was like, I was like, <laughs> <laughs> I've probably said some really like, I don't know, not, not that I've said that, not that I've said anything like, I don't know, that's going to get me cancelled, like, or anything like that. <laughs> maybe like, I, I, th- I think back then I was a lot meaner than like I am. Yeah. So the films now, like, I do just like try and hold a bit of thing of like, oh, people, like it does take a lot to make a, a, a movie. And it's more like, when, yeah. Like this. Well, someone like, might check it out because it's their favorite film. Like, someone might just search the name of that film into like a podcast searching app, yeah. whatever. And they're like, oh, yeah, I'm going to check this out. And you're like, it's fucking shit. I hope it fucking dies. And it's like, <laughs> my favorite film. It's my mom's favorite film. Murphy, considering, yeah, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll have a little look and see if, see if, see if we can slot you into to something else so you can, oh. so, you can so you can, um, match your numbers get my numbers up yeah. mate yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, great, so have a lovely evening yeah thank you so you much too. for having us <laughs> bye there you go guys sort of ghostly great guys hopefully you'll be uh, he- heading on over to their podcast now to subscribe you can find that really easy as well you don't even have to like like search around you can just go into the show notes here and it will be it will be a nice little link to where you can li- listen to those guys all the social medias will all be there there will be there will be links so you don't have to i'm not i'm not i'm not, I'm not asking you to google anything uh you can just uh see what james and jamie are doing uh from this very very yeah from the very much comfort of this podcast app that you are listening uh, to this on right now. As ever, if you disagreed with us, if you think that Pay the Ghost is a work of horror magnificence, it stands up there shoulder to shoulder with The Shining. It stands up there with The Exorcist or Carrie or, or, or any of these kind of... Um, I'm probably missing like a great... Yeah, is, is this like, oh, you know what? In the same breath, you would mention poltergeist friday the 13th nightmare on elm street and then you'd go oh but there's one that trumps them all which is pay the ghost if you feel like that you can get in touch with uh, me over on social media on all platforms at caged in pod or if you really want to um go to task on me and go long form and there's stuff that you feel like you would be chastised for saying on the internet you can always email me which is caged in pod at gmail.com if you feel inclined as well to support this podcast in uh, one of two ways you can either support over on patreon which is patreon.com forward slash caged in pod or you can buy one of these great art prints that i've made with uh, my friend and previous guest tim hornsby uh where yeah we're splitting that money 50 50 which is probably uh i don't know more than generous of tim to agree to that uh <laughs> but uh yeah um so you can do that over at caged in podcast dot limited run dot com and yeah you, uh, it's a k nicholas cage superman uh dc cover and then on the back, I've ruined them by hand numbering them and writing an individual Nicolas Cage movie quote 
on each one of them. So yeah, each one is a uh, unique quote on the back. I said individual, I guess. I guess I, it's, it's right, but it's, it's, it's not right, is it? The, the word is unique. So as for next week's episode, I will be talking to return guest and host of the amazing Spotlight podcast, Liam Dempsey, to discuss the 2016 movie, The Trust. Again, if you are someone who likes to watch along and be in the know before you listen to that episode, you can do that again in the UK on Amazon Prime and in the US on Netflix. And in regards to all of that, if you happen to live out or outside of those territories, anywhere in the world really, and you have access to streaming platforms or, or yeah, there's they're stuff, uh, yeah, if Netflix programming is different in your country as it is to the, to the UK or you have different streaming platforms, please let me know where those Nick Cage films are uh, screening and I will be able to update a spreadsheet that I have ongoing. And it's always updated all the time to reflect what is current uh, especially at the moment in the uk and the us as we've seen uh, recently inconceivable recently got added onto uk netflix and managed to break the top 10 charts which is one that i'm yet to cover haven't seen and now have higher hopes for than i did before and of all people i saw that john cusack tweeted that frozen ground was the number 10 thing like watched on netflix in the u.s recently i'm not sure if that's a new addition to uh netflix in the u.s or if that is just people really fancied watching it and all like fuck it that's it we're gonna watch the frozen ground and it just had a peak of interest but yeah if you have any of that information and kind of just want to be a part of this caged in community and add to that stuff that will be fantastic and you can do that social media or email and as always guys i have been petrapatsilbus i have been caged in you have been amazing i will see you next week when i'll be talking about the trust cheers bye This podcast is presented by the Breadcrumbs Collective, home of the Pod Charles Cinecast, Caged In Coppola Connections, A Droop Town Limery, Maine, Franchised, and many more to come. Our shows are all presented ad-free and made possible by listeners like you. Please support our shows by subscribing, leaving ratings and reviews, and becoming patrons at patreon.com. If you'd like to learn more about Breadcrumbs, head over to breadcrumbscollective.com. Breadcrumbs. It's more than a podcast network. It's family.